the whole immersion thing is that people get as much input, like you listen, you read, as possible because they're kind of saying you can't speak when you don't understand, you know? And one of the things about the accent is it's recommended that people don't start speaking right off the bat or if they do to be making sure they're getting a lot of input because you don't know what the language is supposed to sound like yet. My name is Daniel and I am an English learner and actually I started out podcasting to become fluent in English. So this is my method. In the beginning I made a monologue and then I interviewed other people. First off, congratulations to your great pronunciation and to what you have reached on your project. You. I would like to give a bit of a backstory how mm -hmm this conversation came to be. So actually I discovered your video, which says 3000 hours of immersion equals mm -hmm. fluent question mark. And then I, I watched it and I also watched your video where you spoke in German after three years of immersion learning. And it just blew me away. I can't mich mit denen nicht vergleichen. Yeah, aber ja, es ist nicht so gut, mit anderen zu sich selbst zu vergleichen. Das ist ungesund. Ähm, ja, aber vielleicht äh, für andere Leute, die schon Deutsch lernen, ist dieses Video hoffentlich hilfreich und... I thought that you were a native speaker because your pronunciation was, was so great. And then mm -hmm. I, I thought it would really be great to learn more about this method because you learned German through immersion and so I thought yeah but how how exactly and I didn't see that you wrote something about you <laughs> and also yeah. if I am not mistaken <laughs> in your very first video you, you didn't talk about you or who you are and so the idea of this conversation now is yet yeah, to give the audience the idea of your language uh, learning journey and also we want to know what it means to learn through immersion it's really great because you kept track of all of your language journey and you made a lot of, of videos and that's kind of the reason why we are here and now i will give you the opportunity to speak because that's why you are here <laughs> so could you please give us a little introduction who you are yeah um yeah so I'm, my name is india i'm from ireland at the moment i'm 28 i just turned 28 and yeah i suppose with the language how that started i think it was almost five years ago i think i started in 2019 um and i just i don't know i got it into my head one day that i was going to learn german which is a little bit ironic because I took I took German in secondary school for one year and I hated it. I was 12 or 13. I hated it. I was like, this is the most horrible class I've ever been in. Can I go home, please? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd always had an interest in uh, like German history and I would read books and listen to audiobooks about that. So I think it stemmed from liking how it sounded and uh, then I kind of just went from there, yeah. So the inspiration came from how the German language sounded. So mm -hmm. 
can you give us a little bit more detail about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I used to listen to a lot of audiobooks when I was working. So I worked during like my secondary school and through college very part time at a, like a local business. And I was able to listen to music or books or whatever when I was working. That was fine. So I listened to a lot of audiobooks and I liked things to do with World War II for some reason. And I always liked it when the narrators pronounced the like German place names properly. I was like, ooh, cool. Like, why? I can't pronounce that right now, but I would like to be able to pronounce it, you know? Um, so I think I was. I don't know, a bit intrigued by the pronunciation. Um, and then in that same job, at some point I met a girl from Germany and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So the language exists in a country somewhere. It's not just in an audiobook. Um, and just hearing her speak a little bit of German, I was like, wow, that it sounds cool. So it was very much the sound of the language that um, I think initially got me interested in trying to actually learn it. Um, yeah, but you communicated like with your friend, you communicated in English, right? Yeah, exactly. So she was over in Ireland for a few weeks to work during the summer. She was still in school and it, we just became friends. Like we're still friends now. So we, we speak a bit of German every now and again, which is nice. Um, but yeah, she was the first like German friend that I met and she told me how to say apple. And then she told me the difference between apple and um apple and i was like oh okay so the a sounds different is it and i was like okay cool cool <laughs> um so it just started with that yeah and, she kind of sparked the interest and when you were listening to the audiobooks so they were in english right but yep. you just noticed the names of the places and stuff like that that were german and, and that kind of intrigued you or made mm, you curious about the yeah. language okay. definitely yeah yeah, wow. yeah and may i ask you what role does other languages than english play in ireland yeah it's an interesting do, situation do you, i mean do, do you have to learn mm -hmm. a lot of languages and stuff mm. like that in ireland? yeah so i think a lot i don't know if a lot of people know but ireland has like a native language. So we're technically a bilingual country, like by law, everything has to be in English and in Irish. So it's mandatory for kids to start learning Irish as soon as they start school. So from five or six years old, all the way up until whenever you leave, you know, 18. So I learned Irish mandatory, had to learn it for 14 years, but I cannot speak Irish. And I hated every single class of Irish that I had. It was awful. Because I saw no point to it, you know, like the only reason that you would need to learn Irish in Ireland is if you wanted to work in a primary school, you wanted to teach children, you had to be able to speak Irish. Or if you wanted to work in some sort of government thing that needed Irish. But other than that, every day, there was no reason to, need to, to learn it. So I think a lot of people resent having to learn it, which, you know, in hindsight is a bit sad. Um... I tried to go back and learn a bit of Irish, but I still, it, yeah, my experience in school has soured it a bit, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but we learned that. And then in secondary school, so from 12 or 13, you have to pick another language. So I started with German and then I ended up dropping a second language. I didn't do one after that, but most people would do French or Spanish. Like German isn't the most common 
language to choose. And you took a class in German, I think, in the Goethe Institute, but mm -hmm. you didn't like it that much. Can you tell us more yeah. about that? Yeah, so after I made this decision to learn German, I was like, right, so I'm very serious. And I remember sitting in Starbucks one day being like, okay, how am I going to do this? And I thought, right, I'm serious. I'm going to go take a class. So I looked up online what kind of German classes were in my area. And because I live relatively close to the city center, yeah, the Goethe Institute came up. So I signed up for that. And it was a very nice class. Like the teacher was very nice. The people were very nice. I was very excited. I had all these books about language learning stuff. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, I don't know. I didn't like how the class kind of went. It felt a bit boring. I think I did it for three or four months. So I did the first half of the A1 level. So I didn't even finish the entire level. I did A1.1 and I just got a bit bored and but, I had discovered. But why was it boring? Was it boring because it was mm. too easy for you? Um, no, it wasn't that. I think I had done like two or three weeks of um, like very, very early German stuff online before I started the class. So I was brand new basic. Um, I was just a bit like, I don't want to have to sit down and learn vocabulary and I don't want to have to sit down and learn the grammar. Like that part of it wasn't interesting for me. The part of German that was interesting was like, I don't know, being able to pronounce things, I suppose a little bit, but also I didn't feel like I was using it. I felt like I was in school learning a language. And even though I was excited about it, I still was like, oh, this isn't, no, this isn't, I'm not excited to do this. You know, that, that wasn't what I had wanted to do. Um, I don't know. Does that answer the question properly? I don't remember exactly why yes, I, I didn't absolutely. like it. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, <laughs> and what did you do next? I mean, mm. which journey did you make then? Yeah. So after that, I I did some calculations as to how much was I paying for these classes and if I were to pay the same amount on iTalkies and just do online classes, like what would the equivalent of that be? So I worked that out and I found a teacher and I started doing just conversation classes on iTalkie and I think I did that for like six months. But that was a little bit better, it was more interesting, but I don't think I was using the classes very well, that was the problem, because um, I wasn't necessarily learning anything I was trying to say something and then the teacher would explain how I was to say this but I wasn't remembering anything so it was interesting because I was interacting with the language a bit more directly than I was with the class it felt because I had I think the first teacher I had was actually from Switzerland which was um which was interesting <laughs> um and she was very good yeah um, I think I looked out a bit. I got uh, a professional teacher who was just starting on italki, so their prices were still very, very low. So I got quite nice classes until she she put up her prices to, you know, actual prices. So yeah, I did that for like six months. And during this whole time, I was listening to a lot of language learning content, you know, like podcasts. And I was watching a lot of YouTube videos and I was reading a lot of um, books by other language learners and things like that. And I came across, I think I mentioned this in one of my videos that I came across, um, oh shoot, what's his name? Pablo from Dreaming Spanish. 
I yeah. think that's his name. Yeah, yeah. I, I listened to the episode that he did with, I think it was Actual Fluency. And he was talking about the method he'd find to learn Japanese. And it was called Ajatsuk, all Japanese, all the time. And as he was explaining this, I was like, what is this? This sounds insane. And I remember making a note on my phone because I was out on a walk and I made a note on my phone. I just wrote down Ajat, so I had to look it up when I got home. Um, and I started Googling, what is this? And I found some videos on um, YouTube. I don't know if some people might be familiar with Matt versus Japan. He would be one of the people that would be very well known for doing Ajat. And I watched his stuff and then I found the, the website that has, it's like a blog, Ajat, it's like a blog. And I found that and it was this guy explaining how he went about learning Japanese through just listening to Japanese, like all day, every day, no excuses, you know? And he would supplement that with like Anki and things like that. But his whole blog, it was like a step-by-step mindset instruction manual. And I decided I was gonna spend a few days, read the entire thing. And I did. And I was like, I'm in, I'm doing it. Um, so I was just really caught by it. it. It fit It fit my mindset and it fit how I had done things in the past. I kind of go all in on things. Um, so after I kind of discovered that, I was like, right, I'm gonna switch everything to German. I had, I think I gave myself two weeks. I was like, right, I'm gonna, you know, take, take these two weeks and slowly switch everything over. So all the TV shows that I was watching music that I was listening to, all that kind of stuff, find new content. And I did that. And I don't know how I did that because I look back and I was like, that's insane. Like I couldn't understand anything. Like I couldn't, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that was like the start of that. Um, mm -hmm. But how could you cope with that? Given mm -hmm. that you didn't understand anything in the beginning, yeah. you just kept going with this yeah exactly i look back on that <laughs> now and i'm like i i don't know if i could do it again but the thing was i was so excited about german i was just so excited that i was so happy to watch i don't know what i started watching the first thing but i understood like 20 or 20 20 or 30 percent of the words that was in the tv show i was watching but i was like oh i caught that word oh i know what that means and i'm watching actual things in german and i think the fact that i was watching like i'm gonna say like in quote like real media was so much more exciting than being in a class because i was understanding like real german you know um so i think the uh, enthusiasm pushed me through the beginning did you actually watch German series in the beginning mm, that no. came originally from from Germany? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good distinction. I started rewatching things that I had already watched. That was one of the big things that I did because of Netflix. It's easy to watch kind of dubbed content. Um, so that's what I started doing in the beginning. I was rewatching a TV show I'd already seen before. So. I knew what was happening because I'd watched it in English. Like, I think I watched Stranger Things was one of the early ones that I watched. Um, so it was entertaining enough just to visually look at the show. And I remember at that time I was maybe, I don't know, how far in was I? A few months, a few months into it. 
and I thought I understood 20 to 30 percent of what the children were saying like not even the adults the children you know I think it was a little while before I started watching native German content um because I find it was quite enjoyable to rewatch things with the with just the German dub um but what I was doing alongside this like another part of what AJAT recommended at the time was you supplement this immersion with learning vocabulary somehow and the way that the guy like originally did it was with Anki I don't know do you use Anki or you know it Yes, I know it. I I used to to use it, but nowadays I'm yeah I'm doing other stuff. But could you give us a, mm -hmm. a, a little introduction or what it means? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Anki is like a software that is just like a digital version of flashcards, and it has an algorithm that will determine when it's going to show you this card. So I think there's like a physical version of it. It's sort of like, I think it's called a Leitner box where it's like you review a card and then you um, you push it back three days and you review it in three days. And then the next time you review it maybe is a week. So you're, you're extending these intervals of when you see this piece of information. So the idea behind it is that you're like going with the forgetting curve. I can't, there's some mathematician or someone who discovered this but um it's called spaced repetition so you know you review it on the first day you kind of remember it you review it day three a bit you know um so it's just supposed to be a bit more of a like smart way to do it um and this is just the digital version of that so you make a flashcard and it'll show you you know technically just before it thinks you're going to forget it so that's sort of how anki works it and how this but it's a bit controversial too, mm. right? Because, for example, mm -hmm. Luca Lamperiello, it's a polyglot, mm -hmm. who says that you don't should use Anki. And I have uh, written down some notes why he thinks you should not use it. And maybe from mm -hmm. your experience, because you used it for a long time, maybe you can give us your yeah. opinion on what I am okay, gonna yeah. read out loud right now. So he says, don't use Anki to learn vocabulary in a foreign language because one, making flashcards wastes learning time. He says, <laughs> would you agree with him? That I making think there's a very big difference. Wastes yeah, learning time. it depends. It depends how you're doing it, because I would agree that if you download a deck or if you make a deck of just vocabulary, so it says what like hund on the front and dog on the back and you do that, that is probably a waste of time. Yeah, I think the difference with how I used Anki and how people within this sort of method used it is that they didn't see it as learning the cards in Anki. I think Matt Verschwan has a good explanation as to what he thinks it is, but it's sort of like introducing you to a word. And the most important part of this whole method is your immersion. So say you've never heard the word hunt before, but you see it in, your, in, in an Anki card and you're like, oh, that exists. Okay. You don't necessarily remember it means dog, but maybe you see that in a TV show that you're watching and you're like, oh, that, that was in my cards yesterday. Yeah. I don't remember what it means, but I remember that I saw it. So 
the point is you're not actually supposed to be learning anything in Anki. You're supposed to just be being made aware of something in Anki and then seeing it in your immersion. So yeah, I would say that if you're just spending all your time trying to actually learn things in a program, it's too isolated. Like you need to be able to be exposed mm -hmm. to it in all these different situations and you get a feel for it. And another thing that a lot of people, which I would agree with, a lot of people say is not good about flashcards is most people just use it as a translation or and you only use one word. So the example of hunt, that's a bit boring, you know, but the one of the big parts of this yeah. method was you <laughs> use entire sentences. You never just put one word on a card. You say, das ist mein Hund oder or whatever. Um, you have a whole sentence on your card so that you're getting a little bit of grammar and you're getting other words that you already know in this sentence. And then maybe in the beginning, you have the English on the back, but the goal is as quickly as possible to not use any English on your cards. So once, I think I have it in my notes somewhere, I think after like four or five months, I started making my card definitions monolingual. So I started using a really simple German dictionary to explain the new words that I was learning which sometimes worked and sometimes didn't. Maybe the definition had more words that I didn't know. So I would make a new card for that word in the definition. And I do that in English. And that's another thing that people using this method would do. They would try to make a monolingual card, but then they'd learn the words in the definition that they don't know. And then they'd go back and be able to use that definition for some other word. So that's like the goal. The goal is to, for it to one, be monolingual, have a sentence, but then also don't worry too much about knowing the card. You just want to be familiar with it. Mm -hmm. um, but even even with that, some people don't like Anki. Like, and that's completely fine. It's not for some people. And it just happened to work yeah, for me. Because, you know, so. Because India, it goes further. The, the second point that he is making mm -hmm. is adding new cards can become an addiction oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> it can some people are because there's a lot of uh, like discord servers of people who would be doing immersion learning and you get a really mixed bag of people who have good experience with anki and people who have terrible experience with anki some people are able to use it you know really consistently and they don't get too caught up in it and some people just get too caught up in making sure they're doing it every day and it becomes more about doing Anki than actually learning anything. So it can, again, I think it depends on the person. You know, if you try it and you find yourself getting stuck in this like numbers game of like, oh, I need to, I need to have this many cards, you know? Um, I don't think I got stuck Absolutely. in that. For the most part I used, I yeah, I used like, um, other software to make cards for me so I didn't have to spend too much time doing that but as long as it's you know healthy in the way that you're using it if it works for you do it if it doesn't work and you're getting distracted well then drop it you know it's it's whatever works it doesn't yeah. necessarily matter what you're doing as long as you're actually doing something absolutely and I think it always depends because every person is different obviously yeah and the third point that he's making is reviewing old cards can become a chore, right? So mm -hmm. again, I think, yeah, if you don't like doing it, then of course it will become a chore. But 
if you are passionate about it and if you are making it interesting with content from maybe what you watched or content from wherever then it can mm -hmm. become very interesting and the fourth point was that flashcards take language out of context but i think that is not true because it depends how you are using anki if you are writing yeah. down words from your context from movies then yeah then they they are not out of context so for me hmm. it's a little bit narrow sighted in a way yeah, yeah i would imagine those points all are thinking of people using anki in one specific way and if someone's using it in that way well then all those points are completely valid exactly um yeah and yet sometimes like reviewing old cards like i used to get cards that i would have made a year ago and haven't seen in four months and i'm like why i, do I know this card i i would get to the stage where i would just start deleting cards and like that's another thing that people are in the, the immersion thing it's like if you don't want it just delete it just delete it it doesn't matter you know so <laughs> the the whole like thought behind everything is you have to be enjoying what you're doing otherwise it's not going to work because if you're not enjoying it you're not going to be yeah. like in the right mindset you know so that was another thing i started doing i started just deleting cards if i didn't like them but then like you were saying to keep it interesting like my anki cards for the most part, they had a picture of the TV show. So I would always get something from a TV show. So in the beginning I was using, I think the show Big Mouth. That was for some reason I had, I had cards from that. So it was a subtitle line from Big Mouth. It had a picture of the TV show. Sometimes it had the audio. It didn't always match up though, because the subtitles were different than the dubs. But anyway, so like the vast majority of my cards for quite a long yeah, time had sorry, a picture yeah. and audio. Yeah. Sorry, India, for for interrupting you but that is actually mm -hmm. a, a good uh, point to discuss the subs that you mentioned that are not mm -hmm. not the same than the spoken words because it happened to me a lot and it bothers me yeah. a lot and i don't know yeah. why this can happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it's i that confused me so much in the beginning until i started thinking about how translation works I was actually just talking to someone the other day who is uh, like a professional translator and we had a whole, a whole discussion about this and I was like, okay, my, my assumption was correct that like when you're translating just for subtitles, it's a lot less restrictive, but when you're translating for a dub, you have to fit your translation into the exact time that the original actor is speaking in. So you're so much more restricted. So it doesn't always allow you to have it the exact same which was very frustrating in the beginning. But um, I actually didn't use subtitles while I was watching things for a long time. So I didn't notice until, I don't know, quite a bit in. But then even when you have like um, native German things, the subtitles sometimes still don't work because the subtitle lines would be so long. They condense them down. So it's, it's, it's frustrating. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that that can Sorry, can be an I issue. interrupted you. I, just have to... I interrupted no you when you were yeah. explaining what you put all in your cards, and mm -hmm. I think you wanted to yeah. to add something. Really. Yeah, like that's. I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, no, you're you're grand. I think that yeah, that's another part of. 
I suppose like immersion kind of learning is that yeah you want to make your Anki fun so when I was trying to get back into Anki recently I I was able to filter through all my cards because I've been making cards for like not consistently but I made cards consistently for, for the first two years so I have a giant backlog and I went through and I filtered by a tv show that I really liked I was like right I'm gonna go and review all the cards from this tv show so my cards were a picture from the tv show the subtitle line on the front and then I switch it around sometimes sometimes the audio is on the back sometimes the audio is on the front sometimes there's no text on the front sometimes it's just the audio on the front it kind of I know you can experiment whichever is most interesting um so it was almost like re-watching the show a little bit you know you get little reminders of it um so yeah I think there's a lot of stuff you can do with Anki like if you look into Anki properly you can customize the heck out of everything and <laughs> I think because like Japanese learners tend to be very intense they make really really good tools which is cool for Anki specifically so there's this tool called subs to SRS and if you have the video file of a TV show and you have a subtitle file you throw those into the program and it makes an entire Anki deck automatically for you oh, with wow. each card with a picture with the subtitle line and the audio and it's great so you can have like a whole bank yeah, of um, amazing <laughs> yeah and it just takes the effort out because um part of what is recommended in the like immersion is that you it's called sentence mining so to learn new words you take words from the shows or whatever you're watching but you'd have to do that manually and it takes a long time you know if i see a sentence books. i want to have i have to yeah exactly or anything like you can take example <laughs> sentences from from anything um and i was really lazy i knew because i wouldn't do this so i used like pre-made things yeah because you actually mined a whole grammar book <laughs> I didn't get all the way through. And I did a bit and I was like, oh, interesting. And then I stopped after a little bit. <laughs> I tried. I can't imagine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but that, that is the thing that some people recommend to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, you decided to keep track of all of your language journey. And mm -hmm. how did that come? Yeah, um, I think for the first while I had been estimating that I was spending maybe five or six hours a day. I, I don't know. And then I did a little experiment and I started tracking how much I was doing. And I was like, oh, I'm actually not doing as much as I thought I was. And the time tracking is, again, in the kind of community of immersion learners, very common. I will preface some people hate time tracking and it does not work for them and it is like counterproductive um, some people love it and it motivates them it depends which person you are you know so I wouldn't necessarily say everybody should track their time it you know depends um, but I find it really motivating um, so yeah I started I actually have a I found it earlier today I started writing down my times it's it's a lot hang on and then i eventually moved to a spreadsheet um i don't know if i hold this up to the camera i'm sure you can see it's like every day is like yeah. one line 
and I would split it down into all the different categories. Um, so how many episodes of a TV show had I watched that day? How many hours of podcasts had I listened to that day? Because everything could be tracked. And it did start getting a bit too much because I realised I... Once I wrote all this down in the evening, sometimes I would think, oh, well, there's no point listening to more German because I've already logged my hours. So it's not going to add to my numbers, which was silly. It doesn't make any sense. So... Um, yeah, the tracking can go either way, but for the most part, it was very motivating. I could see I was, I know, consistently doing four hours or five hours and I had a good month and I was six hours and a day and stuff like this. Um, and then, yeah, I have a digital version of that that I kept for a year and a half, maybe. I think I tracked for like two years. So I have two years-ish. I'm not quite sure. And maybe a year. what were... What were the, the media that you watched the most or consumed the most? Mm. It was sort of 50-50 between Netflix and YouTube. So over however many months of me kind of figuring out what content to watch, I found some YouTube channels that I liked that I could, you know, follow. And... So it was a mix of those two things. I would mainly try and like actively watch things. Um, and then listening to podcasts would be something that I would do like in between. Like if I was going down to make food, I would like have one of my like earbuds. Um, and that was constant. That was just a habit. Like whenever I left my desk, I had an earbud in and there was a podcast playing. Um, and that's another part mm -hmm. of the immersion is just to use all these like dead time and to get as much in as you could um in the beginning i think i was probably too much with this because there was one or two times my sister said to me she's like india you're being a bit rude right on a walk together could you take your headphones out and i was mm -hmm. like oh but i'm i'm learning you know <laughs> <laughs> but i took it very seriously because it was the goal was 24 hours you know and you know i couldn't do 24 hours that doesn't make any sense but the goal was as much as possible. So I did as much as possible, you know? Um, but I don't know, it's, you know, you can find what, what actually works. Some people can't do that. They have, you know, families and things like that they need to pay attention to. <laughs> I was by myself, it didn't matter, so it was okay. I mean, how do people react when they learn about your learning method? Mm. How did people generally react to that um i think for the most part because it's not a typical way to learn mm. yeah i guess yeah i know i like no it's definitely not it's like when i would tell my friends i wouldn't really go into detail i would just say oh, i just watch everything in german they go oh okay and that would be that but if i was talking to a like a teacher they'd be like what so you don't really take classes and i was like no don't really like it and they'd be like, oh, that's really interesting, you know? Um, they would be a bit, I suppose, impressed. I suppose it depends when someone had been speaking to me, like how long I had been doing it. Because um, I think the thing that became obvious very quickly was that my comprehension was very high for how long I had been learning. And that that's the thing that, that still, even now, is quite different from other learners, is that I have very good 
listening comprehension in particular, like not necessarily that I know a lot of words, but that when I'm listening to like reality TV shows, like I really like watching those. It's, I feel like I can watch them because it's in German, so I'm learning something. So I'm just watching like reality dating shows and it's great. But I can understand those easily. Like obviously there's some parts that I don't hear because of mumbling or just whatever. Um, and it wouldn't be at the level of a native. It's not like that great. But I do have some friends who would be learning German and they're like oh you can watch that and you can understand it and I was like yeah of course I can and so that's the big thing <laughs> that seems to stick out is the the listening comprehension um yeah which I suppose makes sense I've got a few thousand hours in listening so you get used to it and you track down the hours but in the tracking sheet I didn't see any topic about the speaking time yeah I, I didn't really apart from very <laughs> occasional italki classes where I would check back in with my old teachers that I'd started with and I would think okay are they gonna notice am I any better um and the first few times I had a class after doing maybe six months of immersion they were like oh I mean yeah you haven't gotten any worse it's fine because I said I hadn't practiced speaking in a long time But then after a year, year and a half, two years, it was obvious that like my vocabulary had grown a lot and that my accent had gotten a lot better because I knew what it was supposed to sound like now, whereas before it was very, very English, you know? Um, But how so come I did that you knew it because you, you didn't practice it? How come mm. that you reached to have such a great uh, accent? such a great pronunciation yeah that's yeah that's part of the whole immersion thing is that people oh yeah i haven't explained exactly what this immersion method is sorry so the point is that you get as much input like you listen you read um as possible because they're kind of saying you can't speak when you don't understand you know and One of the things about the accent is it's recommended that people don't start speaking right off the bat or if they do to be making sure they're getting a lot of input because you don't know what the language is supposed to sound like yet. You know, like back in the beginning, I, I hadn't listened to enough German to know what it was supposed to sound like. So when I spoke, I didn't hear how different my pronunciation was from what it should be. Um, and the idea is that when you get enough exposure, you build up an intuition for how the language is supposed to sound so that when you speak, you can hear that you don't sound correct and you can self-correct a lot more easily. Um, obviously, you're, never, you're not going to get to an absolutely perfect accent without speaking practice and talking with native people, you know, but you can get a very decent amount of the way there just by building this, like, internal model of the language in your head because this was like in everyone's native language they can hear when someone has an accent and they can hear when something doesn't sound quite right because they're so used to hearing this language and they've heard it for thousands and thousands of hours um so it's it's that um but i think also because i had an interest in the accent I was probably paying more attention when I did speak. I wanted to try and sound good. So 
Like I haven't put any significant amount of time into pronunciation. Every now and again, I would try and, you know, say something. And I remember specifically, the only thing I remember specifically training myself was on was the the CH in the beginning because I just couldn't do it. Like my throat was sore. Like I was trying to say buch. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, it was like, it was a lot. Um, like the Swiss but, people are speaking or like, like oh my I am speaking with a. <laughs> the <laughs> Swiss, <laughs> it's so, oh my goodness. I don't know how you have any throat left. It sounds like you're about to vomit something up. I've heard Swiss German. I'm like, what is it? <laughs> it's a lot. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I suppose in comparison, the German accent sounds very soft and whatever. Um yeah, I think that was the main thing that I that I practiced. And then the the other thing that's a little bit difficult even now is the or because sometimes it's like soft and sometimes it's hard. Um, I'm trying to think of a word that has an or in it now. Fahrrad, yeah, like the is it? I don't know. Anyway, so that's about pronunciation. Yeah, it's supposed to be like you internalize like, the pronunciation, very, and then you can self-correct. It's very interesting what you said about the pronunciation. And to me, it it seems to me a little bit that there is a, a misconception in general that people think they have to attend classes or that they have to speak a lot to being able to speak. And I mean, you are mm -hmm. a good example that shows us that it is possible, as you said, to to a, a certain point to to reach a, a very, very mm -hmm. high level. Yeah, yeah, it's totally possible. But it's also like some people, like I'm a very introverted person, so I don't really need to talk, talk to that many people, you know. So that was fine for me. I didn't have a problem. But some people really, really enjoy talking to people. And that's part of their like motivation and excitement for the language. So it wouldn't make sense for that person to not talk to anybody, you know. Um, so again, it's yeah. like what what works for you. I would still encourage like a lot of input because it's only going to help, you know. Um, and another thing about potentially speaking a lot from the very beginning and not being too strict about pronunciation is you can make bad habits and then not notice them. Like, I know that's a big thing with a lot of like expats mm -hmm. that move to a country and they, they, they have the same problems for 10 plus years and they never seem to get better. It's because it's so ingrained from the very beginning that it's very difficult to change. So one of the ideas is you don't make the bad habits in the beginning. You know, you start off on a stronger foot. I think that I think that's yeah, the kind of the gist of it, yeah. That means that maybe the method of immersion is more for introverted people. What would you say so in in your experience, mm. I'm sure that you know a lot of people who who were using it yeah. or are still using it. Would you say that the main part are more introverted people mm -hmm. yeah i from a lot of the people that i've interacted with that do do immersion learning it is very well suited to the introvert it's just their natural state you know you want to stay inside and watch tv and not talk to people and that's perfect um it like it's that's not to say that it can't work for more extroverted people extroverted people just want to communicate faster which is fine like it, it can still work uh, just have to get your input, but it does attract the more introverted people. Definitely. Yeah. That's, it was a big pull. And that's why it was so easy for me because my lifestyle 
was the same. It was just in English, you know? Yeah, so I'll say that. It suited me very well, and that's why, that's why it worked. That's not to say that it will work for everybody, you know? It's kind of preference. And you then kept track of your journey also in form of a YouTube channel. How came that to be? I mean, uh, well, yeah. what was the inspiration or motivation of that? Yeah, so yeah, within the community of like immersion learning. So it started with this AJAP thing, which was just about Japanese and it was very intense. Like it was two times, like twice as intense as I had ever been. Like these people are insane and they were doing 10 hours a day. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing anyway. And then it kind of moved to a different program, I suppose we'll say with Matt versus Japan, there was like MIA. And I think it was called the mass immersion approach, right? And that's what they were marketing it as. But under that umbrella, people started making update videos, which I thought was so interesting because you could see someone, I don't know, their first month of immersion and they, you know, they can't understand anything. And then they do a three month and then they do a six month update and then they do a 12 month update. And then it's 18 months. And being able to see someone's progression like that was so exciting for me. Because I was thinking, oh goodness, okay, I'm doing similar things to this person. Therefore, my results could potentially be similar to them in a year and a half, you know? So I kind of wanted to add to that. And because all of this immersion stuff was mainly around Japanese and some Chinese and some Korean, it was a lot of Asian languages. There wasn't really anyone at the time doing specifically for German. There wasn't anyone. Um, there might have been someone doing updates for, I think there was Spanish and then French. Yeah, there was someone that I watched in, that was doing French updates. So it was more like the European languages, because I suppose when you're a native English speaker, European languages are not as different from English as, say, Japanese yeah. would be. So the timelines would be kind of different for the two different like language families. They're They're very far apart. So I thought it'd be interesting to give people a bit of an idea of the timeline, I suppose, for more European languages. Um, I thought it'd be interesting for me to look back on as well, you know, because I, I don't remember exactly what I was doing six months in, you know, but I can watch, I can watch that video and, and see what I was watching and how much I was understanding. So it's cool to look back because it seems so like of course I can understand yeah. German I've, I've been able to understand it for a few years so I can't remember what it's like to not understand it but I have videos so it's it's nice like a time capsule <laughs> absolutely and you mentioned Korean and then that reminds me that you also watched series or movies uh, which mm -hmm. came from Korea but you yeah. you learned German with them it's kind of a, yeah. a funny picture in my mind to learn from a Korean series <laughs> but you you are learning or using it for German learning it's kind of funny mm -hmm. in a way <laughs> it is yeah. yeah and actually the first the first like new tv show that I watched like something that wasn't rewatching, was a k-drama it was dubbed in German though I think there's a few that are dubbed in German but most of them were subtitled. So I was sort of learning reading at the same time. You know, it was more reading than listening. Um, but it was fun. It was just, I was watching whatever I wanted to watch. It didn't matter if it was 
actually German or not because that would have been a bit more restrictive so I just I did whatever was interesting and that's probably the main reason I kept going with it yeah and I noticed in one of your videos that you were saying that you were not the best example and I think mm. you were comparing yourself to to others maybe other people who were also making videos and can you tell us a little bit about maybe the problem to compare ourselves to others and then like having a, a negative mindset or maybe mm. just being negative and, and not being yeah. content with ourselves mm -hmm. yeah that was a big big issue because like in the beginning i would be comparing myself to people who were learning japanese and these guys were insane as i said they're just doing so many hours a day <laughs> it, it was a lot you know they were really really dedicated so and, and the other problem was i didn't speak japanese i don't know how well they were speaking they could have been speaking terribly i would have no way of knowing and so i would compare myself to them and be like oh i'm probably not that good yet okay we'll, we'll, we'll wait a while and then when the european thing started coming out i was like oh they seem really confident you know so yeah, yeah i kind of got down on myself a lot about that because i thought i should be better at speaking or i should be better at something else because these people were doing it and they were only at you know the, around about the same time as me um but i think i think i noticed like i was doing things a little bit differently and some people were more focused on reading so their vocabulary was really really high um but maybe their listening comprehension wasn't as good i don't know yeah i had to be a bit careful about that i still don't a part of the problem as well was that i assumed that i would be really good at speaking but i didn't know what really good at speaking meant you know like i can technically i can speak german now but it doesn't feel good and it's not what i imagined myself to feel like when i could like speak german you know so i kind of am comparing myself to like what my like imagination was creating for me which isn't reality at all you know it's, it's very different i see i see i understand but i assume that of course because if you don't have to practice then uh, i mean the, the speaking practice then you just need a little bit more time and then it would come out mm. more fluently i guess and it would yeah take no time at all just a little bit it's just my assumption yeah, it's, uh... <laughs> i know i think i think so as well like i i was actually in berlin over the summer for a language program i actually did the easy german summer school i don't know if people know that but it was cool so i got to got to meet that team and everyone um but that was all in german and this was the first time i had spoken german for any prolonged amount of time and after the first day i was like okay i just have to get over the fact i know i'm making mistakes and just go for it so i spoke german for two weeks and that was fine i didn't have problems you know being understood by other people um so that was a really interesting experience that was the first time i've properly spoken and yeah i mean it seems to have worked out mm -hmm. you need that like activation time it seems you know but there's still a lot of yeah, uh, things to improve on yeah and 
are there some challenges in the process that you faced? Mm. Yeah, I I don't think. See, I I have like a journal thing that I would write down in every couple of months to like check in with myself. And I kept seeing that I was mentioning motivation, but I don't think the problem was motivation. I think I had the intrinsic motivation that I was not gonna, you know, stop doing what I was doing, but I almost didn't believe that it would work. So I kept having to go back and like watch all these videos of other people and be like, okay, no, it should, it should work. It should work. Um, so that was a problem and figuring out like, was I on track? Was I doing it correctly? Was I doing it in the most optimal way? Um, so that was sort of a struggle kind of believing that it would work, even though I, I, I technically knew it would, but I kind of didn't believe it, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> and then any other more practical struggles. Yeah. One of the things that I definitely noticed in kind of years two up until now, I suppose, is that. I got so comfortable with not understanding everything, um, which in itself was kind of good. Like if you want to do immersion, you have to be comfortable yeah. with the ambiguity because if you're not, it's going to be really frustrating. But I got so comfortable with not knowing all of the words. Like I could understand everything that was generally that was happening, you know, and I'd have a cloudy understanding of other things. But I think I let that get a bit too kind of I was a bit too comfortable with it and I wasn't I wasn't trying to figure out what all these new words meant and I think if I'd been a bit more intentional about that I would have made more progress um because I was doing a super relaxed version at that stage I was just watching things and I wasn't thinking about it too much which isn't bad but I maybe would have made more progress if I had kept up the intensity um yeah and i think especially with german there's so many words that kind of look similar because of the like prefixes i'm like oh i know that but then it's a completely different word because it's i don't know the beginning is different but the the stem is the same i don't know yeah vocabulary is yeah a bit tricky <laughs> maybe could moving on to the tips maybe tips for beginners people mm -hmm. who want to use the mm -hmm. same method maybe can you can you give one or two tips where people should yeah. start out or what to look out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I suppose you could probably best starting with something you've probably watched before because I feel like that's interesting because at least then you can, you know, like visually keep up with what's happening. Um, I would also test how comfortable you are with ambiguity, you know, um, because some people are really, really don't like it and they would prefer to watch like Peppa Pig. Some people would watch children's shows because it's really, really, really simple. And then some people would want to watch their favorite sci-fi show in their new language, even though they understand none of it, you know? So there's like, there's very different levels that you can start with and it's sort of figuring out what are you comfortable starting with? Um, you know, do you care if you can understand, you know, nothing? maybe it doesn't bother some people um so i would start with that like experiment with a few different types of media you know and then what would another tip be if you're not enjoying something just stop watching it 
stop it, just drop it, it doesn't matter, you know? Like, there's so many TV shows and books and everything that I just stopped watching because I'd, I'd rather leave it and start something new and actually enjoy it. Um, yeah, it's like, don't be too precious with anything. I like people kind of get like that with with textbooks as well. They're like, oh, I've started, and I need to finish the whole textbook, you know. Um, but if it's gotten boring and your you know your attention isn't even there anymore, just do something else, you know. It's I don't know. Go with the flow. Yeah. Whatever like actually is enjoyable. That's like with immersion. It's like it just has to be enjoyable. Otherwise, that's just sad. You know. I want to be enjoying yourself. It makes things easier. Um, I don't know if I have any concrete example tips. Like test out Anki, some people don't like it, but it can be really, really useful just for like priming your brain for new vocabulary. Or if you don't like Anki, there's like, what's that website? Link for reading. I know that's, some people use that. Um, that's good for like beginner vocabulary stuff or whatever, whatever method of learning or becoming familiar with vocabulary that you enjoy, like memorize is another thing that people can do. But just as long as you're, you know, doing immersion, like the, the, the word learning is supplementary to the immersion. It's the most important bit. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, India. And yeah. maybe if people don't want to do it alone, is there like a community Mm. Where they can, yeah uh, go. yeah so the immersion learning community has gone through a couple of changes over the last few years but at the moment the best place to find people is through refold so that's the newest incarnation i will say of stuff and they have a lot of information they've made it really really accessible for beginners so they have guides on like language agnostic guides just on how to get started with immersion that are very very detailed and then there's also Discord servers that are completely free and you can get, they've all language specific Discord servers. So I'm in the German one and you can ask questions there and it's usually pretty active. People are very, very helpful. They have uh, um, very good mods, at least in the German one. Like it's, you know, it's nice. So there'll <laughs> be a lot of support there. Like a lot of Discord servers seems to be where, where it's at. Um, get a lot of uh, interesting discussions yeah okay and i will put the sh uh, the links in the show notes mm -hmm. of course and yep. if listeners want to know more stuff about your journey they can head over to your channel and i will also put the link into the show notes because there you go really in depth and uh, mm -hmm. you talk about your journey every like three months or so you, you yeah, give for the first uh, year your, yeah. Uh, yeah and uh, yeah I wanted to ask you also do you have a favorite expression in German or a favorite word I do it's such a strange word I think it's really like slang <laughs> I don't know I don't know I think you saw it in the in the sheet um Gunyamin <laughs> I just think it's funny. I ended up, I named my, my, my laptop Gunyamin because I spent a lot of money on it. And I thought, you know, <laughs> I don't know, I feel like it fits a little bit. I think it's a fun word. I, I hear people use it in like, um, what was it? One of the re reality TV shows that I was watching. 
Um, I think the like the verb gunnen is uh, kind of nice. I don't know if we have anything exactly like that in English. It would kind of be like what treat yourself almost. That verb actually took me a while to understand because I didn't I didn't know what was happening. I was like, what this? I don't know what this concept is. So um, yeah, I like that. I like gunnen. You mean? Yeah. I like it also. It's it's really amazing <laughs> and. I have to say that I I didn't know the word, to be mm -hmm. honest, and it reminded me a little bit of Benjamin Blümchen. There is a, yeah, an elephant, heard. an elephant yeah. in, yeah, like a comic <laughs> or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's really amazing. <laughs> Thank you for sharing this with us. And Pleasure. maybe do you want to add something to our conversation? I did a bit of reading in the beginning, like I didn't read very much. Some people really do like reading, but I don't know. It depends what you're into. But the only thing like I will say is, it, I suppose like the immersion learning where it started was very extreme with, with AJAT specifically. And that can be very off-putting for some people because the mentality around that, some, it was a lot of young boys, like you know, teenage boys who were doing it and they weren't the most nice people, to be honest. Um, some of them were absolutely lovely. It's fine. But it did get a bit of a reputation for not being the nicest community. And that's why a lot of people have tried to like change it. So it was like MIA for a bit. That was one of the mm -hmm. incarnations of it. And Refold now is um, very open. You know, there isn't any of that sort of um i don't know, extreme kind of dogma around it was really dogmatic it was weird um so but where, if people where are is the community like more... of refold is it on youtube or <laughs> it's the is it, is it a discord it's the discord server? communities yeah it's in the okay. discord servers so that's yeah. that's probably the most general place to find things now but i would still encourage people who are really interested in it to find the table of content for the AJAT blog because like he yeah it's a very interesting blog it's not for everyone but I find it really really motivating and sometimes I would go back to it and I would watch or I would uh, reread some blog entries or I would watch some of Matt versus Japan's videos again his style is not for everyone which is fine just take whatever information you know is helpful essentially um, yeah, but there's a couple of different places that people can go, but Refold would be the, the most applicable one now. They're doing a lot with the community. They have a lot of resources and a lot of, uh, I think they have their own podcast now as well. That's on YouTube. Um, so there's loads of help for, for beginners and all different, different levels as well. Yeah. So highly recommended. And I think you published your last video like one year ago or something like that. So are you oh, still yeah. learning German? I am. And yeah, will there I, I be just haven't done a too new much. video? <laughs> um, I mean, there could potentially. I thought about doing one again in German, just talking about um, the trip that I did in Berlin. I might be going on an Erasmus term to Stuttgart next year. So I could do something about that. I don't know. But there hasn't been any like developments in my like skills, you know, because it's gotten to the end of, you know, the the learning isn't happening so quickly anymore. So there's not as many new things to report. But yeah, been thinking about it. Maybe it's time 
it's time to start learning Japanese then. <laughs> oh God, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I have no interest in Japanese. I have a tiny interest in Chinese, but not enough to learn it. I think if I ever learned another language, it would be Spanish. I would really, I want to do an experiment of trying to learn Spanish just through dreaming Spanish videos. I think that'd be cool because that's immersion. Like that, his whole thing is so cool. The whole dreaming Spanish concept and the fact they have so many videos is amazing. Like the people who are learning Spanish are spoiled rotten. Like it's it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a pity that it's not in Italian because I try mm. to learn Italian right now by listening to yeah. podcasts and I got a little bit stuck there because the next step is to to interview people in Italian but I am scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> it's intimidating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe I I have another question because nowadays we have artificial intelligence like ChatGPT and apps like that and when you were making your videos they were not available back then so do you think your journey would have been different with chat chat gpt for example um not significantly no i don't think so i think i can see that there are people that are making really cool tools that are using things like chat gpt especially for like writing practice as well seems to be cool um yeah i don't know i don't think i would have used it too much i think it was I don't know, I, experiment, I experimented with it a bit last year, but I didn't find anything particularly revolutionary for language learning in it. But I think the stuff that's going to come out with ChatGPT and all that kind of technology is going to be amazing. Like, it's, yeah, poof. Just, just the, yeah, what, what's happened blowing. so far is crazy. <laughs> it really is, exactly. <laughs>